you know, we feel that the pharmacist is sort of an unsung hero in the healthcare system and in particular during COVID. And I think the secret ingredient to all of this is that trusted relationship between a pharmacist and a patient. Welcome to Healthy Conversations. I'm Dr. Daniel Kraft, and today feel fortunate to be in Healthy Conversation for the second time with Dr. Dan Necht. He's the Chief Clinical Innovation Officer at CVS Caremark. Welcome, Dan. Thanks for having me. A lot has transpired since we talked in 2020. Maybe describe a bit about what you do all day at, at CVS Health. So it's essentially ideating, developing, and deploying new programs and initiatives that improve the health of our customers, patients, and the communities we serve. Now more than ever, it is so important to be driving clinical innovation. The past few years have been just incredibly challenging for, for society, right? We've seen a, a decrease in life expectancy over the past three years, the resurgence of undertreated cardiovascular and metabolic disease. A lot of it is driven by substance use disorder and behavioral health conditions. And unfortunately, the impact of the pandemic has been really crushing. I think CVS Health and Caremark are really uniquely positioned to make a real positive impact on the health of our clients, customers, and America. And how do you measure that, right? Health is a broad term. What kind of KPIs or key measures do you get to measure within CVS to help understand when you're moving the needle? There's uh, many ways to measure that. Most tactically, we can look at medication adherence rates. We can look at lab values, so improving hemoglobin A1C, improving blood pressures. And then ultimately, like another big challenge is how do you make sure people are getting high-valued care? Care that is certainly goal-concordant, but also adherence to evidence-based guidelines. And so there are many ways to measure health, but I think to your question, you have to measure it to improve it. So there's a saying, you know, you get what you measure and you get what you incentivize. And many of the incentives in healthcare are misaligned, but I think we're all aligned on the fact, you know, speaking of, as you mentioned, uh, medication adherence, there's that often used quote that about 50% of prescribed medications aren't taken as prescribed. Are you able to sort of measure adherence through refill rates or other measures and then impact that one directly? Absolutely. That's a really important data point, and we're working hard to increase medication adherence. I think one particularly exciting clinical innovation we've deployed is a program called Pharmacy Panels or Pharmacist Panels to engage uh, patients and coach them on improving medication adherence, but also a variety of other really important health actions. So you're kind of pulling the pharmacist more into the sort of direct care. Can you give some ex- examples of how that's being integrated in beyond the normal pamphlet that we all never read sure. when we open our pill bottles? They're data-driven encounters and provide individualized coaching. But I think what's really special about this program is we're providing the pharmacist the time, the training, and the tools to coach these members. Month after month, patients will come in and have a uh, an ongoing conversation and a relationship with with the pharmacist, opening the aperture to addressing sort of total health, so medication adherence and optimization, but also uh, comorbidity management, coaching and information around self-monitoring of blood glucose for patients with diabetes, and encouraging preventive and complication screenings as well. You know, you can do many things that maybe impact hemoglobin A1C from diet to exercise to medication. And you want to create wins of that that aren't just, you know, based on a blood level. Have you seen that sort of translate into other measures? Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about our Transform Diabetes Care Program, which relies on this pharmacist panel capability. So we uh, routinely see our pharmacists 
have conversations and engage members around the importance of diabetic retinopathy screening, as well as foot exams for diabetic neuropathy. Many of our health hubs also have the ability to screen for diabetic retinopathy at the store. So not only is the pharmacist having that conversation, but he or she is sometimes walking that patient over to the health hub where they can engage with uh, our nurse practitioners to screen for diabetic retinopathy. So that's incredibly exciting to me. What's coming to, let's say, the standard pharmacy, the health hub of today, and, and maybe what you see in the next few years on the possible technology track? We are working to increase the number of health services and health products available at CVS across our entire fleet. So, for example, you can go in and there's a care concierge that will be there to greet and helping sort of individualize their experience. Maybe it's getting your kidneys checked, right? And then that care concierge can walk that individual to resource in the store. In the front of the store, we have a large selection of products for folks living with diabetes, glucometers, socks for individuals with diabetes. And then I think about all the clinical services we're providing as it relates to chronic condition management. Our miniclinic clinicians can now start insulin, start other medications, and they're receiving additional training and tools. Some socks are even now you know, digitally enabled to pick up hot spots and prevent ulcers or amputations eventually. Are, are you seeing the eventual ability to purchase something at a CVS and connect the data into the flow that the patient sees their endocrinologist and their pharmacist? So our Transform Diabetes program is essentially providing all those sort of wraparound services. We have a digital app and that connects with the glucometer that that patient is using. Um, it's also surfacing up individual recommendations. As you know, hypertension is more prevalent in people with diabetes. And unfortunately, uncontrolled hypertension is a real accelerant for poor health outcomes. So, you know, we're really working hard to provide sort of an omni-channel experience for, for folks, in particular those with chronic conditions. Expanding upon the example of hypertension, it's you know quite common, as we know, for patients with essential hypertension to be on a beta blocker, an ACE inhibitor, a calcium channel blocker, three plus meds, uh, and take some time to actually dial that in. How do you enhance the ability for your pharmacist panel, the patient, the primary care doctor to sort of see that blood pressure data and personalize the hypertension regimen? I like to describe our program as sort of twofold. In the back, the back end is all the advanced analytics serving up those individualized proactive recommendations. And in the front end are our very talented, passionate clinicians, pharmacists, nurse practitioners, care managers that get those recommendations and then deliver them in a way that is personalized, empathetic, and really empowering for those individuals. At the same time, how do you empower the clinician not to have to you know, fax back and forth, change in a beta blocker, for example? Are there ways that you're kind of connecting the dots in the workflow so that the clinician and the pharmacist are working in more tandem? What you're hitting upon is interoperability, like how do we make sure the work we're doing, um, the coaching, the prescribing links up with that patient's primary care doctor or endocrinologist. We use Epic for many of our clinical programs. Quorum, which is our home uh, infusion company, also uses Epic, and our pharmacists are currently on Rx Connect. We're in the process of uh, expanding Epic to them as well. So I think it's really important to make sure any recommendations or change in therapy is documented and shared with the patient's primary care doctor. I will say that I think it's one in four Americans don't have a primary care doctor. 
and those who do have PCPs, sometimes the relationship is very sort of touch and go. And so if you think about how frequently we oftentimes have individuals coming to us at the pharmacy, you know, up to 12 times a year, right? So we have substantially more touch points with patients than even PCPs oftentimes. So, you know, doubly as important why we need to ensure there's interoperability. And now we have to increasingly use the interoperability of telemedicine or virtual care or video visits and minute clinic offers those as well. How have you seen that sort of interface evolve? Certainly in the beginning of the pandemic, a huge bump. We see, you know, as you mentioned earlier, there's a tremendous spike in folks accessing care through virtual channels, so telehealth. Most of that has dropped. I think the notable exception there, we still see increased utilization of behavioral health services through telehealth. So I think that speaks to sort of the nuances here of meeting people where they are. So we need to, you know, have a a strong telehealth presence, but also be there as it relates to sort of in real life or brick and mortar as well. Back to the sort of pharmacist panel, increasingly, we're not just prescribing pills. Can you give some examples of how you see that starting out and where that's heading? The way we think about improving health is identifying the biggest unmet needs and then bringing solutions to the marketplace. So I think two sort of domains that I feel we have really compelling solutions that are partially digital, partially in person, but individualized is our nutrition offering and uh, behavioral health. We have a pilot program which we're expanding around behavioral health resources within the health hub in a number of markets. And so essentially we have licensed clinical social workers within health hubs. They can serve as navigators to provide resources in the community. They can help identify digital resources that would be helpful. And they can frankly screen and treat folks with some common behavioral health conditions like anxiety and depression. The other one is around nutrition. And so all those chronic conditions we were talking about earlier, we can provide pharmacotherapy, which is quite helpful for folks with hypertension and diabetes and hyperlipidemia, but an important piece, a huge driver of that is nutrition, right? So we have a program in Phoenix where folks can come in and engage with a dietitian, get coaching, get biometrics done at the Minute Clinic, and also use a digital tool to sort of help coach that individual and get them the tools and resources to better manage their diet. Yeah, we're really entering this interesting age of you know, precision nutrition. There's that phrase from Hippocrates, let medicine be thy food and food be thy medicine. What are some other benefits to the broader healthcare system you're seeing now from what's evolving within CVS and your work on efficiencies, safety, patient and clinician satisfaction? I still practice medicine in the hospital and I see you know, a substantial amount of burnout and fatigue among healthcare providers. You know, we feel that the pharmacist is sort of an unsung hero in the healthcare system and in particular during COVID. And I think the secret ingredient to all of this is that trusted relationship between a pharmacist and a patient. Year over year, the pharmacist is you know, ranked one or two as the most trusted healthcare professional by patients. And I think the reason for that, that high level of trust, is the pharmacists we employ are members of the communities they serve. They bring an authenticity and passion for healthcare. That's why they went into the, the space. And then finally, just the frequency of touch points and the positive experiences each time a patient comes to a pharmacist and has a conversation that compounds, and that's a real positive feedback loop. Yeah, 100%. I still remember growing up with the 
corner pharmacy, one man shop almost. And we had a relationship with that pharmacist to even do home-based deliveries and, you know, gets to know the family and can make recommendations that really uh, impact health and health is social and the human touch point is super critical. Where do you see technology today in terms of what you're doing at CVS and where do you see it heading? What I've been really impressed about is our ability to use data in a, an actionable way. I think about our Transform Diabetes program, the team has built a very powerful model that essentially is so powerful what we are able to determine a patient's A1C, so hemoglobin A1C, pretty much on par to that of actually getting your blood tested. And the model was built on roughly 250,000 folks with diabetes and they've applied machine learning to really drill down and be able to serve up the most important clinical recommendations for patients. And so, you know, I like to describe it as almost like having a, your own digital endocrinologist. That's incredibly powerful, but I think it only works when you have the right empathetic, passionate clinicians to deliver those messages. And we have 25,000 pharmacists, care managers, nurses, nurse practitioners, PAs to sort of deliver those messages. So I think in the next few years, we'll continue to build these models and allow for really precision healthcare to come alive. And also by partnering with providers in the communities and hospitals as well. And the key part of that interface or the data that might power insights often still depends on where you obtain the data. And there's interest now in health equity and data equity, meaning that a population of Hispanics in New Mexico might have a different set of genomics and social determinants uh, that impact their health. Yeah. A little over a year ago, we rolled out community testing for COVID-19, and we used the data and worked with like the CDC Social Vulnerability Index to ensure that where we were providing testing was in underserved, vulnerable communities. And I think it was about 50% of communities we were in were defined by the CDC as socially vulnerable. So, you know, we have the data, it's readily available, We, you know, and we're acting upon it. In terms of acting upon the data. Some are digital natives and want to only interact with their pharmacist and their pharmacy via the app, and others want the you know eye-to-eye contact and the hand on the shoulder. Yeah, you know, one example that we're particularly proud of is our preeclampsia prevention initiative. We recognized that we needed to tackle the healthcare disparity related to maternal mortality in this country, in particular with African-American women. So we launched a program where we sent resources around the importance of screening and engaging an OBGYN around preventing preeclampsia. And we went a step further than just sending a pamphlet. We actually sent a kit with low-dose aspirin, which, as you know, is effective in reducing the risk of developing preeclampsia. And preeclampsia disproportionately impacts African-American women. So we worked with our employee resource groups to ensure that the messaging really resonated with that population. And we've sent out several thousand of these kits, and we've gotten really positive feedback in particular from our African-American expecting mothers. I'd say start with the clinical insights, the unmet need, then using the data, as well as working with those populations you're trying to serve and help. Maybe it's 2025 or 2031. What are some of the innovations you're hoping to see for the pharmacist panel or clinician tool set? Focusing more on prevention and coaching is incredibly exciting to me. So can a pharmacist also provide coaching and education around 
various wellness topics, for example, nutrition, sleep, stress management. Ultimately, to really impact population health, you need to go upstream, you need to address issues before they occur. Yeah, and with the power of CBS, Camark, Aetna, you have a tremendous amount of data and insights where you can hopefully find folks early on and be proactive in terms of preventing something, whether they're at risk for it or starting to show early signs and pick up disease at stage zero rather than stage two or stage three. Would you see in the next few years the ability now to connect you know, the consumer wearable to integrate into the role of the pharmacist uh, and what CVS sees as a way of tracking whether medication's working or not? We're actively looking at using a wearable with somebody who has a, a rare or serious illness, like, for example, rheumatoid arthritis, and then piping that information to our specialty pharmacists as well to provide additional coaching or intervention sooner. Definitely, we see a number of great applications for wearables, and we're starting to make inroads in that space already. You know, we're both trained as internists. Are you starting to see this model evolve from siloed problemless to more, you know, holistic you know, even integrative care that the pharmacists and the clinicians in your platform can engage with? Absolutely. We work with uh, Unitas, which is a company that curates solutions for folks struggling with particular social determinants of health. So uh, I can easily envision our care concierge or pharmacist connecting an Aetna member or a Caremark member with resources in the community to address food insecurity or transportation to and from you know doctor's office or even connect with local sort of resources around employment. We're 20 years almost since the first genome was sequenced. Folks are going out and getting consumer genomics done, which often include you know pharmacogenomics. Is that something you're seeing yet integrated into clinical and pharmacologic care, picking the right statin, or even whether aspirin might work in some patients? I think one area where there's a lot of compelling evidence is in oncology. We have a program, Transform Oncology, where one piece of that is using a broad panel genetic testing on tumors, and that helps the community oncologist tailor the right medication for the right cancer patient. So early innings, but it's definitely paying off in spades in the uh, oncology space. Maybe we might mention what are some learnings and feedback you've had, let's say, from your, your staff? So what we're hearing from our pharmacists in the field that are actively enrolled in this program is that they really enjoy the work. It allows them to practice at the top of their license, in particular as it relates to building deeper longitudinal relationship with patients. Frankly, that's why they went into medicine. Patients really enjoy the program too, and I think the statistics speak for themselves. Reach rates are about 70%, which are quite high in any sort of care management program, and engagement rates are about 75% too. So really, we have that trust and permission to engage members and patients on health conversations. And then also just the role of like omni-channel care, I think is critical, right? People have embraced telehealth. You know, we have to really protect and cherish that trust we have. And you mentioned sort of omni-channel a few times. How would you sort of encapsulate omni-channel and, and where it might be heading next? I just think about the people we're trying to serve. And so and let's talk about uh, an individual with Medicare. So somebody over 65, recent study by JAMA Internal Medicine, I believe, demonstrated that one in four Medicare beneficiaries did not have a smartphone, did not have 
broadband. And frankly, I think many of those folks are really vulnerable. They're socially vulnerable. And so expecting them to sort of navigate the healthcare system or use digital apps to get the right level of care is just not going to work. So Omnichannel is essentially acknowledging that people want or need different ways of engaging with the healthcare system and meeting them there. As we bring our conversation to a close, any things you'd like to share with our audience? Many of them are practicing clinicians, pharmacists, primary care docs, specialists. You know, the COVID-19 pandemic was a, and still is, an unprecedented health and social crisis. And there were so many lessons we've learned the hard way. And so I think, you know, learning from how do we best engage with people, how do we share data and science and really support fellow caregivers is, is critical. And I hope, you know, we learn from that and carry it forward to improve the healthcare system. I'm an optimist and like to think of, of COVID as a, as a catalyst to bring us into a new sort of health age and move us from some of the incremental elements to uh, much more connected, data-driven, intelligent, and overall holistic level of, of care. And it seems like you and your team at CVS and Caremark and, and beyond have really been leading the charge to, to help uh, accelerate that future faster. So thanks for all you're doing. Thanks for joining us today on, on Healthy Conversations. Thank you, Daniel. Enjoyed the conversation.